0: Hashem HaShem Naaseven HaTzliya, always great to be in Miami, this is the group with the Siyat HaDishmaya, best shiurim. so Baruch Hashem, we have, we had a new uh, shiur yesterday, good Shior, a lot of uh, new Chidushim, a lot of different things that um, anyone that's really serious about doing Tshuva has to watch it, because... Everyone has yetzara. Everyone has yetzara. It doesn't matter if you're really, really righteous. It doesn't matter if you're just starting. It doesn't matter if you're from from birth. It doesn't matter if your father's the biggest tzaddik. It doesn't make a difference. Everybody has yetzara, and there's two different types of yetzara. Sometimes you have yetzara that is going to be a big yetzara for you to make one big sin, and then you have the yetzara that's every day. The one that tells you, listen, maybe today not so modest. Maybe today you should overcharge the client. Maybe today you should not pray. You know, the one that has every day. So, Baruch Hashem, we talked about it yesterday at the uh, the new um, location we have for um, the Tuesday Shure and the Breastloop Center in uh, Aventura. And uh, Bo Hashem it was, uh, was good. We had a little bit of a funny event happen before it. You can put it here. You
1: can put it here.
0: It's good here. Yeah, it's so. Uh, we had a funny little thing with the in the beginning I you know I have two left hands I uh, ended up uh, spilling over the candle that had some oil in it so I had some balagan I had to clean up so it's kind of funny you know it's the uh it uh has to disturb you right before the shield was good so today we're gonna talk about some new things this is uh number 15 uh, and with uh, we're gonna Try with Seattle Bishmaya. We're going to try to include a lot of different things that are relevant to today. Whether it's the political situation that's happening in the United States, the political situation that's happening around the world. What does it have to do with our parasha? As we always know, there's everything that's happening in your life and in the world and large is, uh, always has some type of connection to the parasha. And also, we have a, an amazing holiday coming up in a few days. Hanukkah. So, Bezalel Shem, we'll try to connect a lot of these different things. And uh, because this week's uh Bet Gimel, Chapter Two, Mishnah uh, Three, talks about politics. So, before we start, we always have to do the Iluni uh, Shmat and and the Lema. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, the issue will have uh, we'll go to Nishmat uh Menuch Simcha, Bat Shimon. Menucha Simcha Bat and also to refresh Lema, to Gavriel Ben Doris, uh, Levana Bat Sara, Sara Bat Levana, uh, David Ben Nesria, Doris Bat Michel Koto, Hadas Bat Ampara Balufe, Ruven Joseph Ben Rifka, Sara Bat Gladys Nunez, Edilma Guerrero, Oh, Hashem. I see Dima, uh, Isabel Perez is healthy So she's not on the list yes. Josefina Matos, also another one is off the list Marcella Matut, is off the list oh, Alandra uh, Matut, Ana Sedeno uh, Guillermo Solano Jose Avila, Bill, Ch- Bill Deutschman Herb Finkel Raquel Sandler, Luardes Garcia Luardes Rensoli Yeshua Mikael Ben Hadassa, David Uriel Ben Sara Olga Flores Miriam Martinez and David Gamliel Ben Hadassa. May Hashem give them refuat e nefesh refuat e guf And Be'ezot Hashem help all of Am Yisrael have both refuat e nefesh and refuat e guf We need refuat e nefesh to serve Hashem and we need refu- uh, the right way and refuat e guf to be able to do it. You know, e nefesh, we need to it's knowing that to do it. Refuat e guf you need to be able to do it physically. So we need both, Be'ezot Hashem other Hashem, we get both. Now, this week's Mishnah is very, very interesting. It's a very short Mishnah. You know, usually I try to cover one or two. This one, I think, is going to cover the whole thing because there's so much going on in the world today uh, that you could really sum it up in one sentence of of the, um, in essence, the good and the bad. So Mishnah Gimel says, Hevu zeirin barashut, Beware of rulers, meaning government and, and political figures, or even uh, heads of state or heads of groups, all types of groups. Beware of rulers, for they befriend someone only for their own benefit. They act friendly when it benefits them, but do not stand by someone in his time of need so this is not necessarily a chidush literally to all of us because we've all, anyone that's lived in this world for more than a week already knows that people uh, that are in posi- position of power, the powers that be as they call it, usually take advantage of this power and don't necessarily use it for what they were put in there for in the first place Um, and so Rabban Gamliel is telling us this and we already know from the last couple of Mishnayot that Rabban Gamliel, the son of Rabbi Yehuda he was in a family that was in essence the kinghood it was a family that not only had power themselves they were from the Shevet Yehuda they uh they said that if anybody was Ra'ui, uh, like in essence, a, uh, had the merit of uh, being the Mashiach in that generation, it would be Rebbe or Udanasi, his father. So, if anybody had the merit to be Mashiach, it will be him. So, obviously, this is a very big deal. And they say, "Why? Why does he have the uh, merit?" It says because he's the perfect human being. Not only is he a genius. A tzaddik. He's extremely wealthy. He's extremely powerful. He's connected with the Roman king, the Chavruta. The Roman Caesar. And Rabbi Chavruta learning law And on top of it, anytime that he has any type of issues, whether it's health issues or any type of problems, he thanks Hashem. Showing that his connection to Hashem is pure. It's not a superficial relationship where it's, if Hashem gives you good, you say thank you, if Hashem gives you bad, you're like, ah, oh, Hashem, no. What's going on? What, what's, would you forget about me? So it's a real relationship that's has unlimited love, not only from Hashem to Rebbe, but from Rebbe to Hashem. So his son is telling you, listen, I've been in this family. I've I've been surrounded by tzaddiki, my father's giant, my grandfather's a giant. I come from a family full of rulers, full of rich people, full of people that are rich in wisdom and rich in material. People that are connected to the malchut. And I'm telling you here something about dealing with these rulers that you have to take to the bank because I have experience. You have to beware of these rulers, whether it's the Egyptians, or the Syrians, or the uh, Spanish uh, you know, uh, government, or it's the American government, or it's anyone. You have to beware of all of them, because they'll befriend someone only for their own benefit. They'll act friendly when it benefits them, and they're not going to stand by you if something happens. Now this, if you guys remember, this seems very, very similar. Sounds like it. So we've heard this before. We heard this on the uh, ninth Mishnah, by the tenth Mishnah by Shmaya, Shmaya Naftalion. Shmaya said, received. Uh, he uh, it says Shmaya says, love, work, despise, position. Of power and do not become overly familiar with government. So what Shmaya said several generations before Rabban Gamliel came to be seems relatively identical. But we always know that not only Hashem Himself does not repeat the same thing for you know more than once for no reason. Of course, His sages are going to you know do the same thing that Hashem does. Despite them being limited human beings Obviously they have They have prophecy They have different types of uh, holiness That Hashem gives them To be able to Every single one of these letters Every single one of these words And of course every one of these sentences Has a reason of its own They're not going to repeat the same thing for no reason So The Hashbats In Magen uh, Avot which was a commentary on Pilkeavot, says there's a big difference between this Mishnah and what Shmaya said. How is it? Shmaya said, listen, focus on the purpose of life. Purpose of life is to become a Tamit Chacham, to be a Tzaddik, to serve Hashem. Fulfill the Torah, it's not to be some uh, president of the United States. It's not to be president of some big uh, Jewish organization. Because in reality, we all know at the end of the day, everyone knows at some point in their life, whether it's at the beginning of their life, the middle of their life, or the day before they die, everyone at some point gets to a point where they realize, Hashem runs the world. This is why in the hospice center, everyone wants the rabbi to come. They may be an atheist their whole life the whole life they were an atheist they even went against God they even had websites against God and against rabbis but hospice center right before they die oh Rabbi give me a blessing give me everybody became religious all of a sudden everybody becomes religious right before they die so everyone knows at the end God runs the world so he's telling you listen God runs the world let him run the world you focus on fulfilling what he told you you have a Torah learn it you have a Gemara learn it you have Mishnah learn it you have mitzvah, Mitzvot do them don't look for any job to be a politician or anything like that. That's not for us. Let Hashem us run the world. There's other people going to do it. You have a brain. You have a neshama. You do that. That's what Avtalion was telling you here. Shmaya was telling you. He says, stay away from it. Hate it. Get away from it. And no, so much so that don't even be friends with them. If you have people, you know, they come to town. They want your votes. You say, "Oh, listen, why don't you host us in a bet Knesset. And unfortunately, in today's day, some of these congregations, even Orthodox, obviously Reform and, uh, and, and and conservative, I don't really consider Jewish. It's not they're not following the law; they're going against the Torah. So the problem with them is much bigger than this. But I'm talking about now the problem with modern Orthodox uh, shules that have modernized so much where they're constantly battling a difficult battle which is that the current generation is getting weaker and weaker and you constantly have to convince people to stay in to stay religious to stay free. and unfortunately many of them are making the mistake of using their own logic to convince people by telling them listen Okay, you don't like Torah? Okay, so we'll bring... What do you like? You like politics? Okay, so we'll bring a politician from Israel to your Bikneset. You don't like the story about Moshe Abenu. You don't like Yaakov Avinu? You don't like your Atsidik? Friend, I'll bring you some scientists from Israel. You like Israel, right? You're a Jew, you like Israel, you're a Zionist? Okay, so we'll bring him to Bikneset on Shabbat. So you have this Zionist or this politician or this other guy or this guy coming to the shul and giving a speech on Shabbat. The problem is that where does it cross the line? It crosses the line when sometimes some of these people are not only saying things that are against the Torah, but their whole livelihood, their whole life in general, is against the Torah. So much so that there was actually a synagogue I'm familiar with, a shemirachem. You know, rabbis are you know supposed to be talmidim chachamim, supposed to know a lot of stuff, learn Torah. I don't know a million years they learned Torah. I don't know how many years they learned Torah their whole life, but on Shabbat. They brought a panel of speakers Three people to speak about Supporting Israel And great Israel Yay, yeah, yay, yeah, Israel, all that good stuff Okay, so you have one guy Is an uh, Israeli businessman Who succeeded inventing something He invented something, I don't remember what he invented I didn't go to the event but He invented something And he's like, whatever, he's some gvir in, in Israel He's People think he's important so But the other two him, fine. He's a Jew. I don't know if I don't know if he necessarily keeps mitzvot, but whatever. He's a Jew. The other two were Christians, but not just regular Christians. Not like the Christian that's like, hey, listen, you know, uh, we all have the same God. You know, we just believe this guy's the Mashiach. You know, the ones that like are not trying to, you know, intentionally do idol worship. They're nice people. They're just mistaken. No, we're not talking about that. They brought an evangelical Christian, an evangelical Christian, to an Orthodox shul, a modern Orthodox shul, on Shabbat, to give election, to give a debate about why they support Israel. I'm thinking to myself, you idiots, you fools, Don't you, can't you read between, it's not even between the lines. Just go to the website of any evangelical Christian website. It's the highest, first of all, it's the highest level of Avodah Zarah. Highest level of Avodah Zarah. I have a student, Baruch Hashem, Ger Tzedek from Bulgaria. Tzedek, I've told you guys a story about him. Uh, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God bless him. You know, his family in the past was a uh, evangelical Christian. He, he told me all these things about what they do. And some things I didn't even know. He tells me people, they... Think they pretend like they talk to angels and they talk to God. Everyone's a prophet. All these crazy things. You know, Torah says someone is a false prophet. You have to kill him. Like someone comes says, "Listen, Hashem told me ta 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 ta." You know, it's a lie. You have to kill him. Obviously, in today's law, we don't have we don't have Sanhedrin. But in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, in the times of Sanhedrin, somebody comes even as a joke comes. In, hey, yeah, he just spoke to God. He told me ta 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 ta. ta. Whatever he told me. They know it's a lie, they kill him on the spot. No no second chance. It's not a joke to say I talk to God. Which actually reminds me of this video I sent to everybody in the group yesterday. It's amazing. This Rasha uh, Muslim, uh, some type of, I don't know, speaker, I, don't know, I guess in the last few days, whenever it happened, the Hida Brut, a Jewish organization with Rabbi, Rabbi Zemir Cohen, posted this. It says, What happens when a Muslim speaker... Lies. So they, she, they, they see him maybe a, a 10 second clip. And in a clip he says, When I was a kid, Muhammad came to me. And he told me, Kill the Jews. Kill the Jews. And may this roof fall on top of me if I'm lying to you. Pah! The roof fell on his head. Live. The roof fell on his head. I sent you guys the video. If you guys didn't see it, you should see it. Ten seconds. I have people from all over the world that like, oh my God, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now this doesn't necessarily always happen, but apparently, Hashem wanted it to happen this time. So nonetheless, you have these evangelical Christians that complete idol worship. But they tell you, no, no, we were friends with uh, Israel. We donate money. We support. They own a bunch of land. You know how much money they have? They're buying buildings. They're buying land. They buy. They buy the country if they could. If if if, if the government of Israel allowed them buy the country tomorrow, To pay cash. No, we support Israel. We support Israel. And unfortunately, we're fooled by it. Why? Because number one, we're thinking that they're friends. Oh, look, they're going, we're friends. But anybody that spent even five seconds looking at the battle that we've had against them since the last 2,000 years, since this holiday of Hanukkah. For 2,000 years we're fighting this battle because their whole goal is not to be our friends. Their whole goal is to convert us. Why do they like Israel? Why do they like the Jews? Because we're the perfect prey for them to convert us. They can't convert Muslims. Muslims will kill them. There's a few Muslims here and there that convert to Christianity, but in reality, you go to go to Saudi Arabia, go to Iraq, go to any of these Arab countries. Tell them, no, no, we want you to convert. They'll murder all of them. They'll put all their heads on top of a pedestal. Convert us? Were you crazy? Go to France. Go to a Muslim neighborhood, which is pretty much half of France now. Tell them, no, no, we're the Christians. We're evangelical Christians. We're going to convert you. We'll give you money. First of all, the Arabs can say we have more money than you. We own all the oil from everywhere. And on top of it, how dare you bring your idol worship? To us? They'll kill all of them in the middle of the street. And the French police can't do anything about it. But us Jews, we invite them to the synagogue. We invite them to the synagogue. Well, we want to be friends. We want peace. Why can't we have peace with them? There's no peace. Is halacha in Shulchan Aruch. Eissab Yaakov. Esav hates Yaakov. There's no, there's no. It's, it's alakha This it doesn't necessarily mean that every single goy is going to look to kill you, but in general, the powers that be, the political leaders, the overall people that are behind the scenes that are running the show, their goal is not to be your friend. Their goal is to take advantage of a situation. So, okay, maybe you don't want to necessarily go fight them head to head. May let make lectures about it or write posts about it. Fine, you don't have to. But don't invite them to your shul. Because aside from the fact that they're lying to your face telling you they like you, it's 100% idol worship. You're bringing an idol worshiper into your, into your shoe. What if one of the naive kids, 15, 16 years old, says, wow, this guy's such a nice speaker, like everybody said about Obama. Why do people vote for Obama? Why? Because of his uh, political uh, uh, success? Before, he didn't have any political success. his business success, he didn't have any business success. What did he have before he became president? No one knows. Nothing. Only president in history. No one knew anything about him. We only started asking questions after he was already president four years. Why did people vote for him? Oh, he was a good speaker. He was a good speaker. People, people are very, very moved by speakers. This is why in the previous Mishnah, a couple of weeks ago, he says... That the Chachamim must be careful with their words, words that come out of their mouth, because people are moved by it. So now what if you bring one of these Christians to your Bikneset? And he's like, no, we love Israel, we donate to this, we donate, we'll donate to your Bikneset too. We'll donate to your Bikneset, we'll donate to your cause, we'll donate to this. So the kids are like, wow, they're such generous people. Let me see if I can help them. I have my summer, I'm not working, I'm not going to school, let me go help the church. Because they're so nice. Because in essence, he's thinking the 16-year-old kid, by helping the church, he's helping the Jews. Three years later, he's 100% Christian. What are you going to do then? Convert him back? Convince him back? He doesn't want to look to you. He doesn't want to talk to you at all. He's like, look what we did for you. He's going to look at you like you're like you're ungrateful. Look how much money we give you and how we help you and how we do this. Why are you putting why are you putting Ami Sile in in jeopardy? Why are you putting Ami Sile in danger? All of these partnerships between Jews and Christians are 100% against the Torah. I know that people are scared to go to war. People speak publicly about it and all that stuff. But listen, the reality is the Torah is the Torah. If you're afraid of men, don't speak. If you're afraid of God, speak. That's just the reality. You want to make partnerships with them for what? Where in history did they help us? Where in the Holocaust, the Spanish Inquisition, with the Greeks, the Romans, where? I'm not saying to hate them, I'm not saying fight them, I have some friends that are Christians. Nice people, great people. But I'm not going to invite them to a to give a speech to a bunch of Jews about how much they love Am Yisrael when I know that almost every week there's a thousand Israelis are being converted in Israel right now. Over a thousand Israelis almost every week are converting to Christianity every week. Every week. Over three hundred million dollars a year is spent in Israel by the Christian Church to convert Israelis. So much so that they actually recruited these Reshaim Israelis that are Jews, that are making videos, high level videos, like really top quality videos. Convincing the Jews that the Jews are lying, and really, we all have to go to Imachim Ovizikol, Penny, and you have Israelis speaking Hebrew. Perfect people—they're Israelis and they're Jews. But they're speaking to They became the Christian, they're all sophisticated aristocrats. They say, look, the rabbis are hiding this, and the rabbis are hiding that. And the reality of it is, the vast majority of people are ignorant. They don't know they're hiding this, they're hiding that. They don't know anything. Even if the guy's wearing a keeper, they have these uh, videos. These sneaky people walking out. Look, look at this chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Or look at this, or look at that. What does it say? And they tell the guy to read the verse literally. Doesn't that sound like somebody? First of all, you can't read the Torah. Anyone that knows anything about Torah, you can't read anything literally. That's not svata kodesh. Second of all, you can't read Torah without commentary. We're not at that level. Third of all, they are going to direct you where they want to by telling you, read one verse. They're not going to tell you, listen, read the whole chapter. Read the whole book. So just like you can take a two, three hour lecture that I make, you can take three minutes. In those three minutes, you can either make me look like Hitler himself, or you can make me look like um, the greatest guy in the world. You can do it three minutes of anybody's lecture. You're taking a small little bit, you can make whatever you want out of it. That's what they did to Rabbi Mizrahi. They took a two-hour lecture, i mean. They took a two-hour lecture, they cut like two minutes out of it, and all of a sudden, Ramizrahi denies the Holocaust. Stupidity, nonsense. Nonsense. So, these people are just taking one verse, and they're fooling ignorant people, and they make it seem like it's not ignorant people. Why? Because they're going to people that just, you know, have this kippah on. So it looks like they're religious. First of all, just because somebody has a Kippah on doesn't necessarily mean they know the whole Torah, or even half the Torah, or even 10% of the Torah. Second of all, most Jews, even if they went to Yeshiva, don't study prophets. Don't study the writings. They don't study that stuff. They study the Chumash, and they study Gemara. Most of them don't. have never read even Isaiah or Ezekiel. Most of them just don't read it. It's not part of the major part of curriculum. Not that it's not good, it's just that it's not as much of a foundation as the Gemara is. And when you read Gemara, when you finish the whole Shas, you'll go over the whole the whole Tanakh. You'll eventually cover everything. But it's not easy to finish the whole Tanakh. It's not easy to finish the whole Gemara. It takes time. But these people, no, no, let see, they're hiding this and they're hiding that and they make it look like the Rabbis are evil. They make it look like everyone's hiding this big thing. And these very same people, that there's actually Jewish organizations like Jews for Judaism, and organizations like it, are targeting to fight against them. What happens? Modern Orthodox people, all those synagogues, or even Reform and Conservative. What do they do? They invite them to shul. Come, come, speak. Come, speak. Come, we'll be friends. We'll make peace. Peace in the world. So much so that there's a Rasha Reform Rabbi that came out with a article. I don't know, maybe a year or two years ago, whenever it was. And said that the reason for all problems in the world and all wars in the world is the Torah. He calls himself a rabbi. He says the whole reason why everyone's fighting is the Torah. People should value the the, the Quran more. He calls himself a rabbi, reform rabbi. It's The reason for the world its problems of the Torah. We should value the Quran. Rabbi so and so is what he says. A dog is better than him. A dog, a dog that bites people on purpose is better than him. Because at least he's going to hurt one person at a time. So, now, Aftayon is telling you, my friend, all of these big churches, all of these political leaders, all of these mayors, all of these presidents, all of these people, stay away from them. Why? Because they have invested, they have an interest, they have a bias. You're going to get them the votes of the Jewish people in your area. They're your friend. You're going to get them the business of the diamond dealers. They're your friend. You're going to get them the technology in Israel that's unique and is challenging Silicon Valley now. They're your friend. You're going to get them Jewish business. Friend. But as soon as we don't need you anymore, we put on our KKK masks with a couple of swastikas on it. And we're back to where we started. Which, by the way, anyone who doesn't follow this, the swastika in recent days has changed. You're going to see something not that doesn't look like a swastika anymore. The Nazi swastika in Machshem There's also a new type of swastika. So, swastika, you see there's a tattoo on some reshaim or different uh, graffiti in different places. It looks like a square with two lines coming out of it like a, uh, just imagine like a square like a diamond type of square and then it continues two lines out of it it looks like a uh, I don't know, I'll draw it for you in a few moments, but in in general they're uh, in essence still around these Nazis, and they just uh, they just have a different mask on why are we mentioning all of this? Because Avtayon is already warning us Over 2,000 years ago Stay out of trouble Focus on Torah Focus on the purpose of life Teach your kids Torah Don't teach them uh, secular studies Yeah but what about Panasah? What if my son wants to do this What if what? Hashem doesn't run the world He's not going to give you Panassah Your son doesn't need to be a doctor A lawyer or astronaut In order to make a living He can finally get, he can survive. We've survived already for several thousand years. We're going to survive now. Don't throw him to the wolves thinking, "Oh no, he's going to be okay. A lot of kids are not going to be okay. Especially if you bring them to a synagogue that's going to constantly bring church leaders as guests. What are we doing here? Bring a dog to speak, it's better. At least the dog is not going to convince us to Convert. The generation is weak. People don't know anything. People are motivated by money. They're motivated by material. They're motivated by women. They're motivated by things like that. And that's just the reality. If your kid is not like glued to Hashem and doesn't have a serious foundation of Yilat mind, two seconds you could lose him. Nice Christian girlfriend, gone. Nice Christian boyfriend, gone. I have actually an employee, former employee of mine. Amazing, amazing person. Uh, we haven't been in touch in a few years. Amazing person, came from a relatively religious family. And uh, really just an amazing person. She, you know, Well, well before I ever did Chuba. she would always you know, talk to about, you know, they would keep Shabbat and all that stuff. Unfortunately, you know, we're connected on uh, Facebook and thousands and thousands of people. Once in a while you get the uh, updates. One day I see an update. She has an Arab boyfriend. New boyfriend, Muslim guy. What, what happened? What happened? Religious family. Religious family has a Muslim boyfriend. Wants to get married. Whole family is upside down now. How are we going to stop this? What stopped you? You should have stopped it before it started. has to do with the community. has to do with the surroundings. has to do with something. It's not... The kid doesn't, doesn't wake up one day in the middle of yeshiva class. No, I want to go convert. I want to go intermarry. I wanna, no, something happened. There's something rotten. So Shemayo is telling you already, it starts from the top. It starts from our leader, it starts from our rabbi, it starts from our president, it starts from everybody, the ones that are running the show, the guys that are paying the bills, it starts from you, my friends. You keep trying to tell us that we're supposed to be at peace in today's day as if we're no longer in the exile, as if the Mashiach already came, we should befriend everyone and not separate ourselves from them. Then you're going to have so many, such an easy time seeing all your kids befriend all of the goyim, and little by little, a very easy time losing them. Shemilachem. So Shemai is telling this. Come on, stay away. But now in this week's Mishnah, Rabban Gamliel is in essence trying to repeat the same thing. But what does the Rashbat say? He says no. The difference here. He's in the beginning, he told you, stay away in the first place, stay away. But if you can't stay away, like Mordechai. Mordechai in the story of Purim, Megidat Estel, he didn't have a choice. They didn't say, listen, we're going to have a bunch of people we're going to vote for, you should put your name in the ballot. No, 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 he's like, you, second in command. Because the guy before you almost killed everyone, Haman, Rasha. So he'll put you second in command, at least you can protect the Jews. The king is not Jewish, we're going to put the second in command as a Jew, you have a better chance of survival now Mordechai didn't have a choice but the Gemara Masechet Megillah, page 16b says that when Mordechai actually became a leader and got involved in he was already part of the Sanhedrin, he was number four in essence in uh, in levels in the Sanhedrin Number four, after he became part of the government, he dropped the level to number five. You would think, wait a minute, he's politically stronger. What's wrong? He's protecting Am Yisrael. He's in a position of power. Jews are not being killed because of him now. If a new Haman wants to come, he has to go through Mordechai first. Mordechai told him, no, go away. Look what happened to the last one, we hung him. To protect him. No, Gemara says, The study of Torah is even greater than saving lives. Meaning the fact that Mordechai became a political leader didn't help his relationship with Hashem. Even though it was for Shema, it was to, to help Amisrael, it's to save lives. No, no, Hashem runs the world. Hashem runs the world, he can save it without you. It was better off you stay in Asan Hidri. If it wasn't right in the I wouldn't be able to say something. So people have to understand, you know, everybody wants to be a politician, wants to be this, I want to help Amisrael, I want to help this, I want to help that. You don't need to, Hashem runs the world. Hashem runs the world. But the Rashbat says, okay, if you can't hold yourself, if you're already there, you're forced to be a politician, forced to be in a position of power. Fine. Then at least listen to this. Start off with the teachings of Rabban Gamliel of beware of these rulers. Meaning, keep yourself at a distance. Don't be BFFs with them. Don't have coffee with them every other day for fun. If you have a meeting because there's a war, you have a meeting because there's a strike, you have a serious reason, go meet them, do what you gotta do and leave. Don't go on a vacation with them. Don't hang out with their families and have your kids play together. No. You have to beware of them. Why? Because you have to realize that your relationship is only out of Convenience. They only have a relationship with you because you're the one that can help them do whatever they want to do. You can can help them achieve their goal. And this is coming from Rabban Gamliel. And where is he getting this from? He's getting this from his father, Rebbe. His father, Rebbe. His chavuta was Antoninus. The Caesar, the head guy in Rome. Top guy, number one called the king I think they called Caesar but he called the king it's the same thing Marcus Aurelius Antoninus is what they call it in English the Gemara calls it Antonitus but anyway they had a very very special Chavruta that started from the time that they were born his father Rabban Gamliel also called Rabban Gamliel same thing like his son in the time of uh, Rebbe was born, there was a gzera, there was a uh, decree by the wicked Romans that you're not allowed to do Brit Milah. Not allowed to learn Torah, not allowed to do Brit Milah. They tried to eliminate Judaism. Rabban so Gamliel had a son, Yehuda, little 8 day old baby what is he going to do He's, gives him Brit up. of course there is always a Rasha looking at everyone and waiting for them around the corner sometimes it's a Jew, sometimes it's a Gentile there is always a Rasha somewhere and Hashem sends them to test us to see what we are going to do some of the Rasha is, exists upon by himself Hashem sends them to test us this was not even a test for Aban Gamliel why? because he knows who runs the world so comes, hey, you went against the king, I'm arresting you. Okay. Aban them is the head of uh, the Jews. He's an important person. So they can't like, you know, insult him, abuse him. It has to be an orderly way of how to bring him, treat him with respect until they kill him. That's the goal. So now, before he gets to the king, they have to travel. Eventually, before they get to the king, it's a long road, long travel. Eventually, they get there and, you know, before they meet him the next day, they're going to have him stay at one of the king's family members' houses. And they stay there. And the uh, wife of the Baal uh, of the owner of the house, sees his wife, sees uh, Rabban Gamliel's wife crying. Why wife crying? She's looking at my baby. What did he do? They're going to kill him tomorrow and the Roman woman says why are they going to kill him what did he do she says, oh because he's a Jew she goes what do they care if he's a Jew she goes oh because you know they don't like us goes, how do they even know if he's a Jew I says well because we did Mila. look we cut the foreskin she goes oh after the guy identified she goes yeah she goes you know what I also had a baby I also had a baby, same time, same same age. Also, he's only a week old, two weeks old by now. Why don't you take my baby? Because all babies look alike. Take my baby and show it to the king. And he's gonna see a baby that's not doesn't have a foreskin cut off. Take of life. So think that they like. So Aban Gamliad's wife says, only under one condition. Can you give me a condition? Saving the boy's life, are you gonna give me a condition? She goes, Yeah, one condition. What? Don't breastfeed my son. Don't breastfeed your son. I'm doing your favor here. You say, don't breastfeed. Okay, don't breastfeed. Because, yeah, because it's our tradition that Ami says only allowed to drink kosher milk from their mothers, from Jews. Don't breastfeed my son. She said, just think about this emunah mm-hmm. that she's trying to save our kid's life and she's giving her conditions. we will already be writing checks oh, how much do you want, Which for this, we can clean your house cook for you she's giving her conditions, so this is what happens Muhammad says, it continues, they bring the Roman boy as if he's a Jew the king sees it, he goes, what is this you brought my dear friend the Honorable Urban Gamliel all the way here, for no reason saying that he's did a me went against me there's no bleak he killed the Rasha. Disgrace my, you know, disgrace of a, a big person. Even though he's not a Roman, he's a big person, he's important. They had respect. They killed the Rasha. But now, they come back to pick up their boy. And I want to take the, you want to take Yehuda. Who later becomes a Biyuda. So thank you very much, You saved our son. She goes, yeah, but I have one, one thing I want to, in return. Oh, anything you need, anything you need. She goes, I want you to breastfeed my son. You breastfeed your son? Why? She goes, because it seems like you're so connected to your God that you were scared, you would rather your son die than have something unholy. Which means that what you have is really holy. And I want that for my son. So she breastfeed our son. And our son... Later on, became Antonitus, Marcus Aurelius, and Rabban Gamliel's son, who became Yuda, Ruby Yuda. and they were Chabuta. They learned together. So much so that Antonitus actually had a cave made directly from his castle to Rebbe's house, so he could sneak in under the uh, uh, every night to go learn with him every night. And he would, what he would do. The Gemara says that uh, he would take two soldiers with him. One of them he would kill as soon as he got out, and the other one he would kill on the way back. And the reason why is because he didn't want to have any witnesses to know that he's learning with Rebbe. If his people knew that he's learning to, you know, they would kill him. So this is what he did for years, and they say eventually he converted according to the Gemara. And as a matter of fact, there's some major, major parts, major arguments, debates between Rebbe and uh, Antonitus, he's a big tablid Kham. And he actually, uh, Rebbe said that he beat him in a few debates. He beat him in a few debates. So, such is this extent of something holy. But last but not least, Antonitus also knew the truth. Even though he was in a political position of you know position of power, the top position, he knew that the Jews are the chosen people, and he knew that Rebbe and his Torah was the holiest thing there is. And every night, before the night would be over, he would go on his four on all fours and he would tell Rebbe, "Climb on me to go to your bed." And Rebbe said, "No, no, no! It's not it's not the right honor for a king." He goes, "I wish." I had the honor of the Torah that you had. The Torah is much more valuable than my kinghood, my Caesarhood, whatever it is. Kingship. <laughs> so, we have a son that tells us, listen, despite the relationship that my father had, kaputa, with the former Caesar I'm telling you from experience That as soon as my father died They didn't look at me the same way The relationship wasn't the same anymore Antonitus died My father died Relationship is over That's it, no more Now it's a new relationship Now it's between me and the new guy It's not the same thing You could say that What is it like In this week's parashat, parashat Vayeshev, we have the whole story of how the 12 tribes, Yaakov's 12 sons, got upset, got jealous, all types of reasons at Joseph, and eventually sold him. Originally they wanted to kill him, but Reuven said, don't kill him, let's sell him, and they sold him. Chazal explains, anyone that thinks that Yosef was sold because of just pure jealousy has got it wrong. He went through this whole tikkun, to this whole punishment for a few reasons. The basic reason is because this was one of the ways that Hashem is going to make it look natural for Amisad to eventually go into Egypt. But a bigger reason was because he spoke against his brothers even though he was trying to do it for Shema, he was trying to do it for, to help them, when he saw certain things that they were doing, weren't exactly, didn't look kosher, he didn't do it the right way, and the fact that he spoke against each one of them, ten of them, not he didn't speak against his own, you know, Benjamin, spoke against ten of them, he got a year in jail for each one. But now initially he goes, Joseph is sold, he goes to the home of Potiphar, Potiphar sees this beautiful young kid and later on we see in a Torah and actually in next week's parashat parashat kids that Potiphar is called Potifera why, is, why does his name change why do they add a A at the end of his name because Potiphar became homosexual but his wife before he became homosexual was known as one of the most beautiful women that ever lived so now he gave this position of power to Yosef, run his business, all of a sudden Yosef starts running the business, Potiphar sees that anything he gives this kid to do, succeeds. He gives them ashes, turns them to gold. He gives him gold, turns it to plot. everything he does turns to, every, turns to gold, everything works out. So Potiphar is just sitting and relaxing. But then one day, Potiphar's wife, according to Chazal, he said that she wanted to do it for Shmad, She wanted to do it for a good reason because she saw in a dream that the uh, descendants of of um, of Yosef are going to come from from his, uh, from, you know, are going to be very holy people, and so on. So she wanted to that to come from her so she tried coming on to him and despite being so beautiful Yosef kept his eyes shut kept his mind closed and kept a straight neshama and didn't fall but eventually the woman got upset and a scorned woman has nothing to mess with he got thrown in jail so now he's in jail for 10 years. And it's not like the jail that's like Taj Mahal today. You know, in those days, when they have a jail, it's like they dig a hole in the ground. So like, Gain is jealous of this jail. That's the type of jail they put these people in. So, Yosef, a tzaddik, beautiful, very fragile, very righteous, very holy who is he surrounded by? Murderers, rapists, all the worst people on earth, and they put him over there with them. Ten years, not one day or two days. Uh, me, just thinking about it, I want to, honestly, since I'm starting to like, having a little nausea, just thinking about this jail. He's there for ten years. Finally, Hashem sends him salvation, he sends these two people that the Paol threw in jail, the um, the chamberlain of the uh, cupbearers, And uh, the baker, chamberlain of of, of, uh, food. He throws both of them in there. And they both have a dream. And Yosef tells them this is the interpretation of the dream. The baker is going to die. But the cupbearer is going to go back to even a better position than he had before. Great. Everything is fine. So now Yosef became in essence the leader of the jail. Got a top position in jail. Everybody comes to him, asks him for a dice, asks him for translating dreams. Great. And then he makes the mistake of his life. What's the mistake? He tells the uh, Chamberlain of the Cupbearers, he goes, listen, when you go back to your position, remember me. Tell Perot that I shouldn't be here. Tell Perot that I'm here. And Hashem punished him for it. In essence, according to Chazal, the salvation was supposed to happen right there and then. Meaning, he was supposed to translate their dreams. Paro was supposed to have his dream right that day. And the next day, Yosef and Tzaddik was supposed to come out to go translate the dream for Paro. But because Yosef at his level told the uh, the, the Chamberlain of, 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 of uh, Cup Bears, listen, like in essence, asking man for help instead of asking Hashem for help. Doing more loot than he's supposed to do. Hashem said, Oh, you said two words? I'll punish you for two more years. He's not going to have the dream for another two years. So now at the end of this week's parasha, the last verse of this parasha, it says, Velo zakhar sarah mashkim et Yosef Yet the Chamberlain of the Cupbearers did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. Meaning, so Chamberlain of the Cupbearers gets out, just like Yosef said is going to be in his dream. He gets out, he gets his job, he's BFFs with Paro again, he has his job, he has his money, he has his house, he has everything. But all of a sudden, the guy that helped him get out in the first place, all of a sudden, he forgot about him. He was BFFs with Joseph just a few days ago, when it was convenient for him. When it was convenient for him, Hey, can you help me out? Sure. As soon as it was a time to return the favor to Joseph, forgot. Forgot. I don't remember. I forgot. He doesn't remember and he forgot. It means the same thing. It says it twice here. See that? it's a f- forgetting out of convenience. Forgetting a little bit out of intention. Not forgetting like he doesn't remember what happened two days ago. Even if you don't remember exactly every single detail of what, what you did this morning, you remember basically what happened. Basically, I ate omelet. Would you have an omelet? I don't remember what was in the omelet, but I remember I ate an omelet. What did you do after that? I went to work. How long did it take you to work? I don't know how long it took me to work. Maybe an hour, maybe two. I don't know. It took me... I went to work though. I know that. What did you do at work? I did some stuff at the computer. What did you do on the computer? I don't know what I did, but I, I know I was on the computer. That's what I do every day for the last 30 years. I'm on the computer. That's what I did. So even if you don't remember the details, you know basically what happened. Here all of a sudden it says you forgot, you didn't remember. It requires a little effort to forget and not remember. Why? Because it's not convenient for him to remember this Jew that's in the uh, jail over there. I don't want him to come here and remind everybody I was in jail. It's embarrassing for me. I'm the cupbearer. I'm important now. Can't tell people I was in jail. It's not a good history. So already we see here the Bangamil is telling you, listen, this already happened to my father, Rabbi. As soon as he died, as soon as Antonitos died, they forgot. The relationship between us and the Romans now is not exactly the same. Shortly later we see the Romans are going to destroy the Beit But this is not the beginning. This is not the beginning. So you go back to this week's parasha, hundreds of years before this. It already happened with Yosef HaTzadik, with Potiphar. Potiphar was happy until he wasn't happy. Threw Yosef out in the garbage. Throw him in jail, go die. Then, cupbearer, and Yosef again. Same guy, Yosef, supposed to get released. Again, forget about him. Then eventually, next week, Pasha, Yosef becomes the viceroy. After two years, Pasha miketz Hashem says Mikets means the end. The end of the punishment. The end of the punishment, meaning that on that very day, he had the dream, on that very day that the punishment ended, they brought Yosef all the way from the bottom, he became the viceroy the same day from the bottom of the barrel he went to the top meaning Yeshua HaShem can the salvation of HaShem comes faster than the blink of the eye when HaShem wants to give you salvation it's not going to come to you in a natural way don't think oh listen I made all this money and then I lost it it's over the next five years I lost this money it's going to take me 20 years to make it back oh I lost this relationship I worked on it for 15 years 20 years this relationship who knows if I'm ever going to find one? or oh, I lost this. It. It's going to take so long. Everybody thinks that things are supposed to happen over time. When Hashem is good and ready to give you your salvation, it can all happen instantly. Instantly, love at first sight. Instantly, you have all the money in the world. And it doesn't have to come from the lotto. There's plenty of ways Hashem can give you money. Ways that you're never going to think of. instantly whatever you've wanted for 10, 15, 20, 30 years eventually Hashem says yes Hashem says yes someone came to the Rav Ponovich. and said I pray, I pray every day but Hashem is not responding to my prayer so Rav Ponovich says no, no, he is responding he goes no, I didn't get anything he goes exactly, he says no that's the response he said no, you wanted this, he says no. Or maybe you didn't pray enough. If your prayers are not being answered, it's one of two reasons. One, Hashem is clearly saying no, just like he said to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, Parashat Vayetchanan, prayed 515 times to come into Eretz Israel. Hashem says, enough, don't pray anymore. I, want, I don't want you to come in. No. But what did he say? He could have just said no. Why did he say stop? He could have just said no. He said, enough. Why? Because in reality, Hashem is telling you, if you pray enough, eventually I'll say yes. If you pray enough, I'll say yes. Moshe who prayed 515 times, Hashem said, stop. Why? Because if you pray 516 times, I have to say yes and it's not good for you for me to say yes because I don't want you to just because you want doesn't mean it's good Hashem knows better (laughs) says everything that the merciful one does is always for the best not that it's just good his rabbi Rabbi Akiva's rabbi said Gamzu this too is for the good. Well, you got a flat tire; it's good for the good. You broke a finger; it's for the good. You lost your job; it's for the good. You lost millions of dollars; it's for the good. Comes Rabi Akiva says not only for the good, it's for the best. Everything he does is the best, meaning it's a higher level. Why? This for the good, this for the good, this for the good is obviously amazing. If we could just live like that, we'd be the happiest people in the world. But Rabbi Akiba is saying, Hashem has an infinite amount of ways to take you from point A to point B. If you want to go from here to, to New York, you can take a plane... You could take several planes. You could take Delta. You could take JetBlue. You shouldn't take Spirit. It's a very small airplane. You could take uh, this one. You could take private. You could take public. You could take a bicycle. You could take a car. You could take a chopper. You could swim there if you want. I can't swim, though. You could, you could swim if you want. There's you a lot of ways. A lot of ways you can go there. You could drive with a Mazda. You could drive with a Ferrari. There's a lot of different ways you can get from point A to point B. Just like Laav deal Hashem can take you from point A to point B in a lot of different ways. But for Him, it's infinite. The only way that He picks is the best possible way. Meaning that whatever is happening in your life, whatever Hashem allows to happen in your life is the best possible outcome that could possibly be. Even when it looks like an outright punishment. Even the punishment is for your best. So somebody says, wait a minute. You were sick for seven years, eight years, suffering, horrendous, lost money, friends became enemies, shema achem, crying, wanting, suicidal, everything, worst things on, you know, worst things. Tell me, that's for the best. Not only is the best, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Why? Because I know. Just one simple explanation. There's many, many reasons. One simple explanation is that if all of that craziness didn't happen, I wouldn't be here. I'd still be on Wall Street wasting my life away and then eventually wake up when Hashem takes me out of this world and I have to pay the bill forever oh Michal Shabbat Motiumat and Shem achem, and all these things what good is that money going to do for me what good is the fame going to do for me in this world only thing he's going to do is go against me that's one simple explanation there's many many other ones so Hashem is going to put you through a road that sometimes doesn't look that good looks like you're suffering, looks like you're struggling, it's tough, it's this, it's that. But trust me when I tell you, it's already written in the Torah, it's already written in the Gemara, it's written everywhere. Everything that happens is always the best. Just give it time and you will see it. Just like you want Hashem to give you the benefit of the doubt, to give you more time to finish your tshuva. Because you're still making sins. But Hashem, Hashem punished you every time you made sin, you wouldn't survive a week. If every time we in a sin, Hashem smashed us on the head, we're gonna survive. But we say, listen, Hashem, I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready to keep Shabbat 150%. I'm ready 90%. I still I don't know, I have some problems with the phone, I have some problems with the light, I have some problems with the cooking is not exactly 100 percent this. I have a few things. I'm not, I don't know all the alach yet. It's gonna take me time. Or, you know, someone has Ta'at Mishmachah problems. They go to Mikveh, Bo Hashem. Yeah, they go to Mikveh. But, you know, during the time of the period, they still, you know, hold hands with the husband. Still hold hands with the husband. Not allowed to hold hands. Not allowed to sleep in the same bed. But, yeah, it's hard for them. It's hard. Not like this woman that uh, contacted me a few days ago. She, Bo Hashem, is trying to do Chuvah, but unfortunately. Our husband is a Rasha. And he says, not only he doesn't want to do chuba, which is, you know, it's his business, but on top of it, he doesn't want her to do chuba. Meaning, he says, I don't agree that you're going to keep Tahrad Mishpacha. If you separate from me for half the month, 12, 13 days out of the month, I'm going to go with another woman. I'm going to go with another woman. He's telling this to his wife. She's not even pretending. She's not even faking it. I'm telling you go to the mikveh, do all the things, fine, I'm going to go with another woman. they the son, I think they hang him, just for saying something like that. So me, I know, I have, uh, I get upset when I hear husbands that are like that. But I, you know, at the same time, you have to look, what's the halacha? What's the halacha? So she asks me, okay, so listen, so can I, I'm not going to be with him during, you know, what actually have the period, I can hold out that much, but maybe I don't have to wait the seven clean days. Maybe I can just wait two days. to If you're with him during those days, that intimate relationship restarts everything. Meaning, you have to restart the count. If you were, let's say, with him on the second day, first of all, you have to clean yourself. And second of all, you have to start counting all over again. New seven days. New seven days. You have a serious problem here. You were with your husband when you were technically not pure. So then the next question is, okay, fine. But okay, so one week I can hold up, but for two weeks or the month I can't do it. He's not, he's gonna leave me. He's gonna do this, he's gonna do that. What's the alakha? Kha says divorce him. It's the minimum requirement of being married is keeping family purity. Even if he violates Shabbat, even if he's not kosher, even if he's wicked beyond wicked. If he's not, if, if he's all that, eventually you can help influence him. Eventually maybe he's going to do tshuva. But if he's not allowing you to keep ta'at mishpacha, there's no marriage. Divorce him. That's, to me, shocking. Because in Judaism, divorce is like a bad word. You know what he says, Divorce. Says no, if you're not willing to let you keep Ta'akmish the Baqah, there's nothing there. There's not, no foundation, there's nothing. Let you know, it's all he's gonna do is get you to go first class ticket to Ganon. For what? So somebody gets a test like this, it's a very, very difficult test. Hashem says, trust me, you'll pass the test. Even if it ends up in divorce, even if it ends up with problems at home. Even all of these things, you trust me, eventually I'll get you out of this. I'll get you into something better. Your road is gonna be shaky, it's gonna be bumpy. But I promise you, the end, the destination, you're never gonna regret. The only thing you're gonna regret is that you're gonna do it faster. Just wait till you get to the destination. Be patient, you get the destination. So now so now we have ourselves Rabban telling us you have to understand something very very important all of these leaders all of these people they haven't worked out for us very good you look at my father look at Yusuf at Sadiq with Potifal. look at Yusuf at Sadiq with the cup error, and it didn't end there. It didn't end there, because then he became Pa'ol, it became second in command. And what does it say in the first book of Exodus, Parashat Shmot? And a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now Joseph at this point built Egypt. Egypt was like, you know, nice little place. They had a few bucks to their name. They were like Florida. Joseph made them into the US he turned them from nothing into everything became friends with his whole family came in there they built cities, they built this they built that, he made them wealthy the entire world had to pay taxes to Egypt thanks to Joseph and all of a sudden you have next generation the new Paul? doesn't remember Joseph. How do you not remember him? Your people worship him.
1: They didn't keep
0: a record, so. No, the, the people, they hid his tomb. His tomb, because they felt that Joseph was so holy, they hid his tomb inside the Nile River. Mm-hmm. And they would worship the Nile River with the tomb in it. They made him into a god. So what do you mean? You, all of a sudden, you don't, you, all your people are saying he's god. You don't remember him? Yeah. So no, no, no. Conveniently forgetting. Why? Because they're getting too powerful Well let's fool these people Let's fool these uh, Jews These Israelites Before they become even more powerful than us Because at the end of everything We're the Egyptians They're here in our country We're not in their country Let's fool them So I'll pretend like I don't remember this guy Joseph Like eh, who Joseph? Who Joseph who? We had a couple of Josephs in the family Pretends. So again, leadership forgot. It's not the last time, though. Fast forward, Moshe Rabenu. Moshe Rabenu grew up in Pharaoh's house. Even though Pharaoh didn't exactly love the Jews already from this parasha, but Moshe Rabenu was like a son. All of a sudden, Moshe Rabenu kills an Egyptian as if it's the first Egyptian that ever died. Oh, go find Moshe and kill him. This wasn't enough. This continues. Generation after generation, with the Romans, with the Greeks, this whole holiday that we have coming up in a few days, Chanukah. what happened? What happened is that a bunch of Jews decided to become reformed. A bunch of Jews decided to become Mityavnim. Mityavnim means they wanted to become Greek. The Greeks said, listen, we don't really care about all the things that you do. Just come join us. Stop with your nonsense religion. We'll give you money. We'll give you political power. You won't even have to work. What, you're a shoe salesman now? We'll make you president of the school. Teach people that God left. He created the world, then he left.
1: Um,
0: let's make you president of the school. You're a uh, dressmaker... We're going to make you president of the university. To teach people... I'm going to have to hang up because people are talking it's distracting me. Uh, whoever is talking, um, you have to stop because it's very, very distracting and I have this phone on speaker. Actually, you know what, maybe I could get it off speaker, so maybe that would actually work. work. It's very annoying. People don't understand how difficult it is to give a lecture. You have to stay focused. <laughs> I don't have a script. So we'll try it this way. Um, so now, you have yourself... Jews wanted to become... Reform. They became reform. Stop keeping the laws. They don't like the oral Torah. They like the written Torah. I don't know, written Torah is nice. Nice stories. Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron. Everything's fine. Okay, what about the oral Torah? What about actually knowing how to keep Shabbat? No, no, it just said Shabbat... Don't light fire. Okay, so we won't light fire. Okay, but you're driving a car. No, a car is not exactly fire. Actually, it is. It's 6,000 fires. You just don't see the same fire as you light in the woods. It's a different form of fire. And people are starting to cut different parts of the mitzvot, make it their own, and little by little, they replace the keeper with a smaller keeper, and a smaller keeper, and a smaller keeper, and eventually becomes a little quarter and the quarter falls off they put it in their pocket then they're embarrassed of the quarter or they replace it with a baseball hat because they don't want anyone to know that they're Jewish and a tzitzit first goes inside then it goes on the shelf then it goes in the closet then it goes in a the drawer then it goes in the attic and eventually you throw it out and at Filin, instead of using it six days a week, now it goes down to three, then two, then once a month, then, you know, whenever I get a chance? Instead of going to the Kolel or the Yeshiva or the Yeshil you go to the movies. Let's go watch X-Men. Let's go watch Fast and the Furious. Let's go watch all those movies. Why? Well, it's not so bad. It all starts small. Reminds me of a story that my mom told me. There's one time There's a uh, Guy comes Knocks on the door Of a rich Rich person's house Nine o'clock at night Rich guy is Trying to relax Who's knocking On my door at Nine o'clock at night He sees this Simple looking guy What do you What do you want He goes I want to buy Your house It's not for sale I don't want to buy The whole house I don't have money For your whole house I just want to buy room for my nail. The looks like, what? Nail, I have one nail. I have a nail. I want to put it in your house. Just give me the space for what that nail is. Because do me a favor. Get away from me, you and your nail. I don't have time for this. He goes, no, 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 listen. listen. I'm going to give you a thousand dollars just to let me put the nail in your wall. The guy's rich. And you know, Gemara says, you give somebody a hundred, he wants two hundred. You give him two hundred, he wants four hundred. give him four hundred, he wants eight hundred. Meaning the more someone has, the more he has a desire for more. Meaning that the guy that has a thousand, is desire for another thousand. The guy that has a million, is desire for another million. Meaning he feels like he's lacking more. He needs more, the guy that has a million. So the guy's thinking, listen, he has a ten million dollar house. This guy's going to give me another thousand good, it adds to my collection, I want more money, what do I care, put a nail in the, a huge house, ten rooms in the house, I'm going to give him a nail, what do I care about the nail, I don't even see the nail, okay fine, give me the thousand, <coughs> and he gives him a the thousand, he's like where can I put it? It's like, I right, you want? Just pick a place. So the regular-looking guy comes, looks, 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 looks. He picks spot right next to the stairs. Tuck. Puts the nail. Say, Thank you very much. Here's the contract. We signed a contract. Goodbye. Guy's okay, like, wow. Who's better than me? And now I have a... Not only I have this nail that I'm probably never going to see, but on top of it, I have another thousand dollars. I'm a Genius. I'm gonna, I can't wait to tell this to all my friends that I was so smart, I made money even off of a nail. $1,000 off a nail. So he's happy, goes to sleep now. The next day, at 1 o'clock in the morning, he is, knocks on the door. I'm knocking on the door at 1 o'clock in the morning. Opens the door, goes, sees the guy again. He goes, what do you want? He goes, no, no. Sorry to bother you, but... my hat. i gonna put my hat... On the nail. <laughs> what?
1: It's
0: one o'clock in the morning. You couldn't come to me. go, no, no, no. I, the hat needs to go on the nail now. I don't need it anymore. I'm gonna go home, but I don't want to put my hat in my house. Maybe it's gonna get ruined in my house. It's dirty and everything else. I won't put my hat. Your house is clean, and my nail is clean. So I put my hat on your on the nail. It's my nail. He goes okay. No, come on. Put the hat on the nail. Goes to sleep. Next day, 1.30 in the morning. No, what do you want? My jacket, my jacket. I don't need it. It's hot tomorrow. I just saw the news. Tomorrow's gonna be very hot. I'm not gonna need my jacket. I'm gonna put my jacket on the nail. Because you couldn't come at 9 o'clock at night or at 7 like o'clock. The first day you came at 9. Couldn't come at a normal hour. No, no, I need it. I was working all day. I was very, very busy. I couldn't come till now. Because no. Third day. Four o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning. No, what do you want now? You guys, you know, has cobwebs on his eyes, waking up in the middle of the night. What do you want? What do you want? He goes, I want my hat. Off the nail. He goes, that's it, I can't do it. No more. You can't come into this house. He goes, what do you mean, no guy? I have a contract. I have a contract. Look, I have a contract. You signed. This is my nails. He goes, no, sue me. Look at it. So they go to court, and the judge says, listen, you have a contract, it's his nail. You sold it, $1,000, you have to open the door whenever he knocks, and you have to let him use the nail. Ah, Hashem Achem, the guy, the rich guy, every night at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, all throughout the day, put the hat on, put the hat off. Put the jacket on Put the jacket off (laughs) Let me scratch my back with the nail Let me just look at the nail Let me put a picture on the nail Every day after two weeks He says listen Take your nail Take the house I'm out of here That's the mashal That's the mashal That's the parable What's the nimshal? What we will learn from here The Yitzhah is the same thing Yitzhah comes to you and says Listen He's not going to tell you Listen go cheat on your wife not the first thing. They're going to tell you, listen, go cheat on your husband. Not the first thing. He says, let's watch a show on TV. Let's watch, uh, I don't know, one of these, I don't know, whatever shows are on TV. Let's watch Desperate Housewives or something. Let's watch a show on TV. Instead of learning Torah, instead of watching Shi'u Torah, instead of coming to Shi'u Torah, let's watch a show for a half hour only. Half hour, what's the big deal? It's a nail. Half hour. See, watch a show on TV. And you see the woman on TV He's like The guy looks at the woman She looks perfect Because she's a movie star And he looks at his wife And she's tishabav. She's in her pajamas <laughs> And he looks at the woman on TV he looks at his wife And he really believes in his heart He can get the woman on TV mm. Every guy thinks he can get the woman on TV yeah. Next day he's still thinking about this woman on TV and he sees all of a sudden he sees new employee in the office the jacket new employee in the office new secretary oh let me show her around be nice, what? show her the Jews are good people show her around show her around town, maybe she's from Oklahoma now she's in New York, she doesn't know her way around poor girl So we show around, so he's trying to be a tzaddik, show around, look, this is the office, this is the printer, this is the office of the boss that could fire both of us if we knew that we were talking, this is the picture of my wife who would slaughter me if she knew I was talking to you, (laughs) well, shows the things, oh, she's still alive, no, no, she's not alive anymore, don't worry, (laughs) oh, what's the wedding ring, no, no, that's not, a that's just for looks, it's for looks, it's for looks, now it's the jacket, Next day this girl doesn't have any friends, doesn't have anybody. Who she have? You. You with the payers and the hat and everything. So what she said, you wanna go for lunch? And the meeting goes from nine o'clock to one o'clock to two o'clock to three o'clock, Hashem Erachem, Hashem Erachem. It starts as a nail. Starts a little movie, little commercial. Shortly later you gave him the whole house. Which means your whole slumbait is gone, your whole marriage is gone, your kids are gonna hate you, Hashem is gonna hate you, you just destroyed your life. Why? You start with TV show, FL. What's the big deal? It's just a nail. That's what Khazal is telling us. if the evil Satan comes to you, drag him. To the Beit Midrash. Drag them to go learn Torah. It's the only way you're going to get away from it. Only way you're going to survive. the Atomic bomb like that is by learning Torah on a regular basis. But when you put yourself in constant danger,
1: <coughs>
0: you've no you already lost the war. So Aban Gamliel is telling us, listen, We had all of history. My father, my great-great-grandfather, Moshe Rabbeinu, Yosef HaTzadik, Ibn Yitzchak, Avimelech, kicked him out, then took him back. This goes back all the way to the beginning. And he said, no, no, but that's a long time ago. Come on, Kvodaravs, 3,000 years ago. Leave us alone already with this stuff. Okay, let's go faster. Let's go sooner. Let's go back 500 years. 1492. 1492, you had Dani Tzhag Abarbanel. Barbanel was the treasurer. Treasurer of the king Ferdinand and Isabella. Treasury is control of all the money. Pretty much, usually, the most important person on earth. Controls the money. No money, everything fails. At least in this world. And he enabled Spain with his wisdom that Hashem gave him. He enabled Spain to finance getting back their country from the Muslim people. He put the comp- the, the country back on the map. They got back control because of how what he did. But all of a sudden, King's like, hey, okay, so I don't need you anymore. I don't need the Jews anymore. Jews helped us build our economy now. We don't really need it. Okay, our economy's good now. Good luck. Goodbye. <laughs> In a moment, Ababa Nel, despite all of his pleas not to kick them out, not to do all of these things, in a moment, his huge service, his all of the years of work, all of the effort, all of the friendship, everything in a matter of moments became worthless. And the ungrateful employees that he had turned their backs on him and on his people in 1492. Gone. Not enough. Just go even, you know, more recent than that. You go back into our grandparents' generation Nazi Germany Before Nazi Germany Became Nazi Germany It was just Germany And who put them on the map? The Jews The Jews built their economy Germany was the most powerful country in the world at one point Much more powerful than America Much more powerful than everyone, Because they had the most amount of money It was the America of its day And it was on top Of politics, business Jews Jewish people built it And took over the country's Top positions Eventually This wasn't exactly Welcomed anymore (coughs) Because Shem said, listen, I gave you money I gave you power I gave you everything you want But what do you do? You use all of it against me I gave you money so you go buy a car to drive on Shabbat. Yeah. I gave you beauty so you go cheat on your husband. Okay. I gave you beauty so you go into marry with someone else. I gave you arms you use them to steal. I gave you eyes you look in places you're not supposed to. I gave you a brain you use it to cheat people. Everything I gave you you use it against me. Okay. it's... Enough. Not giving you anymore. But when Hashem stops giving, it's not like we stop giving. So now, the Germans all of a sudden want to vomit us. But not vomit us and just like, go away. They want to exterminate us, Hashem and That's what they tried to do. So all of a sudden, the places we were leaders, we actually put, the Jews, actually put Hitler in power. We voted for him. Even though he wrote in his book that one of his missions is to destroy Jews. No one don't want to take him seriously. No, no, it's not serious. I'm German. I'm not really Jewish. I'm not keeping. Everyone thinks that just because they're not keeping and they're friends with the politicians, everything is fine. No, no, I'm not like, you know, the religious guy. I'm just, my parents are Jews. I'm not connected to it. Who's the first person that died? Those people. So now, this has happened time and time and time again, I'm no prophet, I'm not even the shoe of a prophet. But I can tell you one thing for sure, the amount of trust and comfort that American Jews have should be uncomfortable for everybody, the amount of faith that Jews have in America Doesn't necessarily look that good Based on our history Listen, today America is our friend If Hillary was a president she, They wouldn't exactly be our friend anymore Oh Hashem, Hashem had mercy on us And he's giving us some more time to do chuba. But the fact that everybody's so excited Trump's going to go in Trump is this, Trump is friend, Trump is that Okay, Trump promised a bunch of things Before he became president but as soon as he becomes president, his free choice is no longer his. Hashem takes over. And Hashem will move him like a puppet, wherever he wants him to. If he wants to have Am Yisrael prosper, he'll prosper. If he wants Am Yisrael to suffer, Hashem Eleichem, can suffer. Meaning that, according to the Rambam, in the commentary on Deuteronomy 31.18, He explains that this constant reality check that Hashem gives us of showing us that the very same leaders that we had faith in go against us, it's a vicious cycle. And as a community, we believe in God, yet we tend to rely on governments to bring Jewish salvation. Well, everybody said, No, I believe in God, I have the black hat, I have the beard that could sweep the floor, I have the long skirt, I have the this, I have everyone, yeah, 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 Hashem, 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 Hashem. But, everyone watches the news to see what the president's gonna do. Everyone watches the elections, everyone spends so much time worried about who's president and what did he say this and what did he say that, and every time he has a speech, everyone's glued to the TV like it's Rocha Kodesh. Like it's Moshe who's speaking from Mount Sinai. They stop the learning, they stop the teaching, they stop life, they take off of work. Why? Because the president's giving a speech at twelve o'clock in the afternoon. I think Hashem L'Chem, if Moshe Rabbeinu came down at twelve o'clock in the afternoon, some people said, no, "I'm busy." President's coming? Oh no, no. Pshh. Come on, got to take a break? I listen to the president. So we say we believe in God, but in reality we're showing that we're having a lot more rely, you know, dependence on these governments. And the Rambam says, And God responds in kind to our lack of faith in Him by turning His countenance away from us. Thus His apparent uninvolvement in Jewish history is a direct reflection of our own behavior telling us the more we rely on government the more Hashem is likely to put us in the hands of government This is why in the book of Deuteronomy and also it's in the uh, Teilim, it says, "Aru, cursed is the man who relies on men." cursed so now this is a very very serious problem we see that we're constantly failing at the same thing. We're failing at it as we speak to such an extent we're bringing these people to B'knesset. Political figures are coming to B'knesset. Christians are coming to B'knesset. I think one day they're going to put Ya'avu Dazara in the B'knesset also, Hashem they you put Buddha right next to the uh, Rona Kodesh. No, no, let's just look at it and see if we feel better. Let's be in peace with the Chinese. Maybe they could donate a billion dollars to the big Knesset. So when we go and get off track to such an extent, you can't really expect that much. But now Rabban Gamliel is telling you, listen. But sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes you have to have a jewel in politics. You have to. He's got to play something. It's his job. It's his. He doesn't want to be there, but he has to be there. Okay, so Rabban Gabriel says, okay, first and foremost, understand. Your job is Torah, mitzvot, everything else is secondary. So we talked about last night, anyone wants to want the details, last night's you. Torah is number one. You are never allowed to violate Torah for any reason. Unless it's pikuach nefesh. Unless you're saving a life. But not like possible pikuach nefesh. A definite pikuach nefesh. Like somebody asked me a question today, she said, listen, I want to go to nursing school. But the problem is that this nursing school that's local, they would give classes on Shabbat. Can I go, even if I walk there? I'm going to walk there. I'm not going to drive. I'm going to walk there. Can I go to nursing school on Shabbat? I said, it's only a matter of time. Even if you walk there, it's only a matter of time before you violate Shabbat. Which means you can't go. Why? Because number one, even walking there, maybe it's out of the true. It's too far from the iruv that you have. That's number one. Two, you may use tools. Now let's to use these tools on Shabbat. Three, you may have to write. It's only a matter of time before you are going to violate Shabbat, not to violate Shabbat to school. Only to be saving a life and you're a student, you're not saving any lives. And even if there was a possibility that you will help in some surgery that will save a life, it's only a possibility. It's not definite. not to violate Shabbat for a possibility. Why? Because as we learned earlier today, Megillah, Gadol Talmud Torah, Torah, learning of Torah even. Not just fulfilling the Torah. Learning of Torah is already bigger than saving lives. But we still put the Torah on hold to save a life. Why? So the life can fulfill the Torah. Not because life is more valuable than Torah. So first and foremost, Abangamil is telling you, your ruler, you're in there, make sure you befriend them from a distance. Know that this relationship is based on certain benefits. They want something from you, you better get something from them. Don't wait till your last day in office to ask for them to give a contribution. Get to business right away. Don't befriend their kids. Don't go to Christmas parties. Don't go to Hanukkah parties. Don't go to any parties with them. Go strictly business. You wanna save Amisla, you wanna help Amislah, get to business. Enough with the political talk and all the nonsense that everybody spends their whole life doing, playing golf, playing this, playing that. By the time they actually get to the request, they don't even want it themselves anymore. Why? Because they're comfortable playing golf. Like, hey, if I ask them what I want, we're not gonna go play golf anymore. So let me delay it. In six months I'll ask them. I wanna play another six months worth of golf. Get to business. Also know that they're only friendly with you if they want something from you. They want your votes, they want your money, they want your power, You want your control, something. As soon as you have nothing to offer them, they're going to throw you in the garbage. How do we know? We just showed you several proofs. People that are much bigger, better, and smarter than you got thrown in the garbage instantly. For no reason. For no actual valid reason. Now one of the things... That this could apply to each and every single one of us, not only in government, because we're not necessarily all going to have political power, we're not even all necessarily going to have, you know, power in our own company. Some of us are just going to be employees, simple employees, because our life is more focused on Torah. But this also is something that we have to use on a day-to-day basis with the people we call our surroundings, our friends and family. Most young people think that they have a lot of friends, but if you ask any old man or any old woman how many friends they have, usually they'll be very happy to say they have one. So one time there was a twenty-year-old kid came to his father. So happy in his life, he's twenty, he's partying, he's this, he's that. And his dad asked him, "Listen, son, how many friends do you have?" He said, "Ah, dad, I have at least a hundred friends." "You have a hundred friends? I yeah, have a hundred best friends. Everybody's my best friend, not just a friend best." We go here, we go there, we go there, we go there. He goes, Abba, you must have a thousand, two thousand friends. He goes, no, I don't have. Because how many friends you have, Abba? Half a friend. He goes, what do a half a friend? He goes, Abba, half a friend. That's it? What, everybody doesn't like you? He goes, no, 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 I only have half a friend. He goes, wow. He goes, no, Abba says, you shouldn't feel bad for me. Shouldn't feel bad for you. He goes, why? Because I have more friends than you. Because we I just told you I have a hundred friends. He goes, you don't have any friends. I have half a happy friend. You have nothing. So how do you know I have no friends? I just told you I have a hundred. I'll prove it to you. Go take a sheep. Slaughter it. Put it in a garbage bag. And knock on every one of your friends' uh, doors. And tell them, listen, there's a dead body. I just killed somebody by accident. Help me out. And see what they say to you. So the kid says, okay, why not? Knocks on the first door. He listen. There's blood everywhere. On him, on his shirt, everywhere. It looks like real. Yo, listen. I just killed this guy. You got to help me out. Hey, 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 get out of here. Close the door in right? his face. Second door in his face. Third door, fourth door, fifth. Every closes the door. Eventually, after the 50th door, he goes, hey, 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 Like, what? What did you do? He goes, look, come on. We went on vacation last month. He goes, okay, we're on vacation. So what? I'm going to put my life in danger for you. You're the murderer. You're the problem. Get out of here. I'm not going to put my life on the line for you. Close the door. Next one says, so what? We went to the Bahamas together. So what? We went to school together. So what? You lent me $5,000. So what? I'm going to go to jail for you? Why? Why am I going to go to Ganon for you? Because you lent me a few dollars. Because you gave me a ride to the hospital. So what? Everybody out of the whole hundred closes their door in his face. And he goes with his head down back to his father. He's like, Abba, you're right, I don't even have one friend. But who's this half a friend of yours? He goes, Yeah, yeah. Before you change your clothes, go to my friend. Go to my half a friend. Tell him the same thing. It's the middle of the night. He knocks on his guy's door. Two o'clock in the morning. Hey listen I'm David's son I murdered this guy I need your help He goes come in Come in Come in And as soon as he comes in starts giving him a towel To wipe himself What happened? Listen don't worry Everything's gonna be fine He's like oh, listen It's not real Actually just a sheep But thanks a lot for being a friend and he goes back to his dad and he says, how'd you know that he's going to do it? How'd you know he's going to save me? Yeah, that's, that's what a half a friend is there for. He goes, what do you mean? Why do you keep calling him a half a friend? A guy like that, he's more than one friend. He's one and a half. He goes, no, he's only half. Because why is he only half? He said, he's only half because you still weren't in 100% danger. You weren't caught yet. You just committed the murder. So you always know that you could possibly, he could help you get away with it if you were already the cops were already catching you probably wouldn't open the door that's why he's a half a friend you weren't in a hundred percent danger yet you're in some danger maybe danger maybe we can get away from him maybe we can hide the body in the basement throw him in the ocean no one knows yet only you because is this just a thing as a real friend because, yeah, there is. Because, where's a real friend? Because I know somebody that used to have a real friend. Because many years ago, there was one guy, Jew. You know, they, anytime the goim get bored, they blame the Jews for something. So they blame this Jew for stealing. You know, in, the, in those days, Jew that stole, exalted Mavit, death penalty. King decreed, Jew stole, death penalty. You don't even have to prove it, no evidence, no nothing. You so say he stole, it's a death. So Jew says, okay, listen, I understand I can't get away or anything like that. I understand. You guys want to kill me. What can I do? Can you at least give me just a day to go say goodbye to my family? One day. He goes, well, one day we're going to let you go. You're not going to come back. He goes, no, no, no. I'll give you collateral. What collateral are you going to give us? My friend He's also a Jew. You guys really just want to kill Jews. It's not really, not because you just want to kill me. Somebody else, you kill him too. So I'm going to give you another Jew, my friend. My best friend. I'm gonna give you, and obviously I'm gonna come back. Or you get to kill him anyway. Either way you win. Because okay, fine, no problem. His friend comes in, he's collateral, sits in the cell. said, if you're not back on Tuesday at two o'clock, say we're killing your friend. No problem. Tuesday at 155. Said he's not back yet. Okay, let's go. The friend goes. They put the rope on his neck, and all of a sudden they hear the guy he scream, "No! I'm back! I'm back! I'm back!" It's like, "Yeah, but you were late." Like, okay, oh, I'm sorry. I'm here. Though. I'm here. I'm here. You can't deny that I'm here. Okay, no, come on, Bella. We're gonna kill you instead. And the friend says, "No, no." He puts the rope back on his head. Says, he "No, no, no. He's late. He's late. Send him home. Kill me." Because no, I'm the one that's, I'm the one that stole. Kill me. Because no but he's late He made a deal with you guys You guys can't go against your own deal It's your law you Can't go against a deal So they're fighting Who are they going to kill now And the king hears this commotion He goes what are these two crazy Jews doing He goes they're fighting about Who are you going to kill Your honor He goes what do you mean They're fighting who are you going to kill He goes this guy says kill him The other guy says kill him He goes what they want to kill each other He goes no 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 They want to kill themselves So he goes bring them over here he goes, why are you guys fighting? He goes, listen, he said he's gonna come back. He didn't come back. I want you to kill me. That's your deal. He goes, yeah, but I'm the one that stole. Because why are you guys want to kill yourselves for? Because, let me tell you the truth, Your Honor. See him? He's my best friend. He's my best friend. And I can't live without him. So I'd rather die first. And the other guy says, Your Honor, him is my best friend. He's my Chavuta. can't live without him. So I'd rather die first. So the king says, I can get you both off, but under only one condition. I said, yeah. Make me the third friend. Once in a while, you're going to find a friend. But in reality, most friends, you keep them at a distance. It's convenient relationships. You have money, you have looks, you have job offerings, all different types of things. Now, Ban Gamliel says, befriend people, but know that they are friends for a reason. They want something from you most of the time. They're not going to open a door at 1.30 in the morning to save you. They're not going to be there even if they have 100, 200, 300 million dollars. They're not gonna lend you a hundred dollars. I'm telling you, me personally, based on experience. When I had money, people would throw money at me. Throw money, they would want to give me money. I didn't need money, but they want to throw money at me. All of a sudden, getting to a jam, I'm busy, I'm this, I'm that. I'm not one to ask for help. But one time I actually tried to see if maybe I could get help on this thing I was trying to do. I call a guy. At least he has 150, 200 million dollars. At least. We used to do deals. Each deal was a million dollars. Minimum. Million, two million, three million. Made a lot of money for him. Ask him for a deal. I think it was maybe I 100,000 dollars. Meaning it's like a day's pay. Nothing. Nah, you know I'm just too busy. What too busy? To to, to tell your assistant to send me 100,000 dollars? What too busy? Nah, it's just gonna mess me up. You know, it's not like all of a sudden he's This is not even a rounding error. It's not even a rounding error for what he has. And he's not the one, and two, and three, and every single person that I called. I tried to save my house. All of a sudden, no, 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 I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. But I'll pay you for it. You're going to get 100% on your money. You give me the money, I'll pay you in two years. When I sell the house, 100% profit. No, it's this, it's all of a sudden nobody has, nobody has time, nobody has patience, nobody has this, nobody has that. Nothing. All doors closed. Why? Because that's life. It's already in the Torah. It's not new, there's nothing new under the sun. But you're only going to find out who your friends are, when you really don't have any friends Because that's the only time you're ever going to need them is when they tell you who they really are. So don't spend so much time thinking that you have these dear relationships. Because in reality, most people have relationships based on convenience, based on benefits, and things of that nature. And unfortunately, sometimes it's even worse. Sometimes some people that don't have Yirat Shamaim they act like some of these older friends that I had They used to work for me. We were best friends. They came to me with nothing. All of a sudden, they have something. King started making some decent money. All of a sudden, they became wolves. You know why wolves? Why am I saying wolves? Because wolves have a nature in them that if one of the wolves... It's a wolf pack. You know, wolves don't go alone. They have a bunch of friends. Yeah. But as soon as one of them gets weak, what happens? Where did they go bring them a... Uh, Some help, some doctors, they bring him as a fruit tree, bring him a drink. No, what do they do? They eat him. Yeah, you're too weak for us, you're too weak for the pack. They eat the wolf. Sometimes people act like wolves. Sometimes the wolves are actually better than the people, because at least they wait until he's really weak. That's what happens. This is reality. Who do you invest in? Invest in your neshama, invest in your family. Invest in your own home. Everyone else, yeah, if it happens, it happens. It doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Don't be like this 20-year-old kid that thinks he had 100 friends. You don't have 100 friends. The Rambam had a good friend. Also happened to be his employer. This story is uh, not a well-known story. It's in the book, new book that came out by Rabbi Mazuz. It's one of G'dolei Adol right now. Called, Mi'em G'dolei Yisrael, who are the giants of Am Yisrael. And in the book, he says a very, very interesting story about the Rambam. Saying that Rambam worked for the king, the Egyptian king. And the king was always impressed by the Rambam's wisdom, how much he knew, and so on. he'd want to test them from time to time. And they would play chess. Play chess. Chess is a uh, mental game, you know, you have to be smart to play it if you know what you're doing. And the Rambam would, the king would never win, but the Rambam had good midot and he also knew where he stood. So every time he got check on the king, he'd push over the table. And all the people fall. ah, we have to start all over.
1: <laughs>
0: and the king wasn't a fool. You know, okay, so... So they kept playing, they kept playing. But one day the king was like, you know what, listen. Enough of this. I want to know how smart you really are. I want to know if you can beat me or I can win. We have to put something on the line. No, no, your honor, please. It's nuts, nuts. Let's just play. Because no, no, no. We're going to put something serious on the line once and for all so you can't do what you're doing. If... I win you convert to Muslim if you win I convert to be Jewish Because no come on please your honor can't do that goes, I'm decreeing as the king that's it now you have to do it and the Rambam says they started the game and at that moment he felt that he doesn't have siyata all of a sudden he doesn't know what he's doing All of a sudden he forgot how to play. He doesn't know what's going on. Every move he makes, the guy's beating him. Now if he loses the game, they're going to force him to convert to Islam or he has to kill himself. Which is what the Rambam was going to do. For the first time ever, the king gets a check. Not checkmate, but check. Which is one move before he beats him. He has a check for the first time on the Rambam. And at that moment the Rambam says, somebody comes in, a very like honorable man comes in. He says, I am suing the Rambam. Your Highness, I'm suing the Rambam. They stop the game, they look at this guy. Who's this guy? Because why are you suing him? The Rambam stole a hundred. Zeus for me, hundred dollars. He borrowed the money for me and he never paid back, so I'm suing him for the hundred dollars. The king's like, come on, Moshe. His name was Moshe, Mo- Musa. Hundred dollars. He worked for the king. You don't have a hundred dollars to pay this guy. Come on, it's not. It's bushah. It's not nice. Give the guy a hundred dollars. It's not some uh, A Hundred dollars. It's not like a million, two million. At least you got a few Bentleys. $100? Highness? I never even met this guy in my life. I don't know who he is. So King the guy. He doesn't know who you are. Oh, he goes, well, only way I'm leaving is if he swears to me that he's not the person that borrowed the $100 from me. So, run, no, run, no. Come on, go ahead, do it. Just so we can get on with the game already. So I go, okay, I'll swear, I'll swear for you. Go, no, no, you have to swear in my language. Okay, what language is it? Repeat after me. So I know you don't, you're not fooling anyone. He starts talking to him in Hebrew. Now the king doesn't speak Hebrew. So he says to him, repeat after me. Make two moves to the right. Make two moves to the left. Go straight, go right. Do all these things and you'll beat the game. Rambam follows it, says goodbye, goes back to the table. Next 30 seconds, he turns the whole game around, he beats the king, wins checkmate. The king wants to like he's losing his mind. This is possible. How'd you do this? Two minutes ago, you were you were about to lose. All of a sudden, you beat me. Because to be honest, the guy that just came here, that weird guy that just came here for the hundred dollars, he told me how to beat you. It was when he told you how to, how, how you know how to beat me? I have no idea. I've never seen the guy in my life. But what he was saying in the language was the language I speak. It's Hebrew. It's a holy language. And he told me how to beat you. Find him. He sends all the soldiers to go find this guy. After looking, 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 they found him. They bring him back. Say, who are you? It says my name. Is Avram Ibn where are you from? Because I'm from Spain. Because what are you doing here? Because well so last night I had a dream. They came to me in a dream they told me that a holy man by the name of Rambam is gonna be in danger at this exact time. And I have to go tell him how to win the chess game. He so, said, okay, this dream of yours, fine Interesting dream How'd you get here from Spain to Egypt? In a matter of a few hours Because no, it didn't actually take me a few hours It took me less than a moment And the king's like, what do you mean it took you less than a moment? You know, in those days they didn't have jets <laughs> Because I used the holy name of Hashem And I came here King says, ah, come on. This is 900 years ago. King says, this guy put him in a mental institution. Rambab says, no, 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 he's right. I can do it too. With women, you can do it too. Because I can do it too. I can use the name, holy name of a shaman, I can go anywhere you want. We're go, going to prove it. It's okay, whatever you want. Okay, this is a city three days away from here. And they have a store. Bring me one of their glasses with their names on it. Before three days, Rambam says, no problem. He goes, leaves the door. Two minutes later, he comes back with the glass. And the name's on it and everything. Showing that when someone is that holy, Hashem changes nature for them. This is in the book of Rabbi Mazuz. He's one of the Gedolei Adol right now. Now a lot of people say that uh, the Rambam didn't believe in demons. And some people take it too far where they say, listen, they should remove all talk of demons from the Torah, they should remove all this mystical stuff from the Torah, this is complete nonsense and a misunderstanding of what the Rambam said. So first and foremost, Rambam, obviously, as you can see from this story, which is not told by me, this is a story from one of the Dole Adol, this is uh, a story that happened Obviously, Rambam was very, very well aware and informed about mystical stuff. Number one. Two, when he talked about demons, he says he doesn't believe that demons existed in his day. Meaning around him. Not in general, because it says it specifically in the Gemara, that there's demons. Chaz Shalom, Rambam, his whole life worked on giving us explanation of the Torah. He's not going to go against the same Torah he's given us explanation of. Number three... There's demons, and then there is a ghost, or spirits. So it's also, he specifically talked about demons. So nonetheless, we see here that people take things too far, and they start using their own logic to translate what the sages say instead of actually seeing what the sages say themselves. And this is only because of something going wrong somewhere along the lines. Their parents did something where instead of wearing a the titit, they didn't wear a anymore. Didn't seem like it was a big deal. Their parents' parents, they wore a but their keeper got a little smaller. And maybe watched a few shows on TV. And their parents' parents, maybe they didn't watch TV, but, you know, they played a dice with friends here and there and you see the weakness continue to gradually get bigger and bigger generation after generation eventually current generation either doesn't believe at all, believes that there's nothing or they just modify the Torah as a reform, as a conservative and even sometimes as a modern orthodox that brings Christians and all types of idol worships to the Biknisset, so here we understand that it all starts somewhere it all starts somewhere and we have to be very, very careful with the source. You know, because if we as independent leaders of our own, and leaders of our family, leaders of our children, leaders of our communities, if we don't start standing up for the truth, everything is gonna fail. Everything is gonna fail. Maybe not right in front of you right away, but you see that the generation is getting worse and worse. Someone has to stand for the truth at some point. And I was talking to my Rav today, and honestly, with all the things, you know, unfortunately, you know, when you, you're in this, you, you find out a lot of things that you don't really want to find out, things that happen in the world and so on. And you know, I, it says in the Gemara, that people should pray for the welfare of the government because if there isn't fear of government... People will eventually devour each other. Meaning, people will get to such a crazy state to start eating people. Start murdering everyone. So, on one hand, the Gemara says, Pray that there's going to be order. On another hand, it says, Stay away from them. So, this this Mishnah has explained to you in what way? He's telling you, Listen, yes, there's certain parts where the government is needed. It's needed. You need order. You need cops. You need, uh, you know. All types of things for government. Sure. But don't bring anything to your house. Don't have the IRS code or the constitution replace your chumash or your gemara. Don't bring your president of the United States to your house. Bring the rabbi to your house. Don't make your television the place where you're going to see the world at large in a political view. Watch lectures instead that are going to actually help your future. So that's what we're trying to learn here. Because it all starts with you. We can't do anything about our parents. We can't do anything about our grandparents. We can't do about our great-grandparents. Only thing we can do is follow what Matityahu and his five sons did in this holiday that's coming up in a few days. Matityahu was in by himself and he had five sons and maybe a few people, a few King joined him. But according to the Gemara Masechet Gitin, the army of the Greeks was 600 million people. 600 million people. This is pretty much almost half of China or double the size of America were soldiers. I'm not talking about the country as a whole. Just soldiers coming to war. And Matityahu and five people, maybe a few others that helped him, let's say a thousand. It's not, but let's say it's a thousand. Say, we're going to go to war with them. You're going to go to war with them? You, 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 suicide mission, just jump off a bridge, it's much easier. You go to war with 600 million people? And Matityahu said, Im ena mili mili. If it's just like led, we learn from Torah. If I'm not for myself, who's gonna be for me? Whoever's for God, come with me. Meaning that it doesn't matter if it's natural, if it makes sense, or it doesn't make sense, when Hashem runs the world, he runs the world. Somebody has to stand for the truth at some point. We can't worry about our grandparents or great grandparents or anything else. What we can do is worry about ourselves and our kids, the future our community you have a few friends you see that they are not completely reformed you see that they are not completely atheist, you see that they are not completely off where they become haters of Judaism save them save them but also know the Gemara Masachet Psachim says something very very scary for anyone that wants to do Kiruv anyone that has family members that is off the derech you're going to have some resistance from some people. Some people are going to outright go against you and fight you. Sometimes you see people make comments on the internet, you're like, this guy's Jewish? This guy's a rabbi? This guy is like part of Amisrael? How is it possible? Page 49b says something very, very scary. Gudulasina <speaking in the world> Says the people that are ignorant, hate hate Torah scholars, hate Torah in general, even more than the Goim hate Am This is a Gemara. He's telling you here that someone that doesn't know Torah, a Jew, mm-hmm. comes from Russian family, Moroccan family, Tripoli family, whatever family, Jew, a Jew, an actual Jew, born Jew, Ima is Jewish, Abba is Jewish, everything is Jewish. Him inside rotten. He went to the movies. He went to the bowling alley. No Torah in his life. Instead of going to Shul Torah. He went to a strip club. Instead of going to shoot he went to the bar. He says he can get to such a level that he can hate other Jews more than the Nazis hated the Jews. And his wife-to-be, says, and their wives are worse than them. This explains a lot of things. You see, sometimes people are running the Israeli government, but they're anti-Tolat. And I always ask myself, how does this make any sense? You're a Jew, even if you're not religious. Why would you go against religious people? Okay, you don't want to be religious. You want to keep keep on. You don't want to keep Shabbat, take vacation once a week. You don't want to eat kosher; that's healthier for you anyway. Okay, you don't want to do all these things. Fine, I get it. Okay, you don't want. You're not into it. I get it. But why are you anti? Why are you going against it? Why do you have websites of people saying don't believe in God? This man tells you already. Tell you somebody that has zero spirituality, zero connection to Hashem, can get to a per, to a point of being worse than a Nazi, and this explains those very same Nazis that we had all shiur about that were Jews, because there were Nazis that were Jews. This explains all of the characters in the book by Rabbi Zilber Zechet Zadikli Vocha to remain a Jew that everyone should read of the Avsektsia, the ones from Russia that were the communists that killed Jews, that killed religious Jews, rabbis. This explains the Jews from the kibbutz when Eretz Yisrael, the modern state of Israel, was founded that beat up Rabbis, including Rabbi Galinsky, who was a survivor from the Siberian jails, who was trying to teach Torah for free, trying to help Jews in every single way, and when he found out that these kibbutzniks, these people that were like communist, anti-Torah, were bringing the Yemenite Jews, who were pretty much living in a third-world country, and tell them, "No, listen, now that you're in Eretz Yisrael, you don't have to keep anything. Mashiach is here." They cut their pay as they took off their tzitzit, they're you now don't learn Torah anymore. And Rabbi Galinsky went in there and started pretending that he's going to help them out, help these kibbutzniks out, and went on stage and told them, these are going to teach you things against the Torah. Over, the, Hashem says, eat kosher. They eat rabbits. Hashem says, learn Torah. They teach you that you came from monkeys. And these Jews, these Zionist Jews, what do they do? They went on stage and beat the hell out of him. Beat up a rabbi one time, two times, three times, several times this happened. You can read his own testament, it's a life story, biography by those written by his daughter. Rabbi Gelinsky, one of the best speakers and Kiruv people that ever lived. Just recent generation. Mara says, listen, if you get too close to these leaders, you get too close to these political people, you get too close to the secular world, you'll be worse than them. Where is it written in the Torah? Hashem promised it to Avram Avinu. Hashem promised it to Yitzhak Avinu. Hashem promised it to Yaakov Avinu. He says, your descendants are either going to be like the stars or like the dust. When they're holy, they'll be higher than the stars. When they're not, they're worse than the dust. Already written in the Torah 3,300 years ago. It all starts from the top. All starts from the top. And if we really start looking at this holiday, yes, there's some halachot you need to learn about lighting the menorah and celebrating all these different things with oil and... Having fun, and even though there's a Megillat Antiochus, we don't really, it's not, it doesn't become like the Megillat stair where we read it in public. But there's things to learn about Hanukkah. There's a nice story, but the really biggest story about Hanukkah is this a Greek walks into a Hanukkah party. Eating sufganiyot, playing with the dreidel, like hey hey, hey, what are you doing? We're well, celebrating that we beat you. And the Greek was chewing the sufganiyah in pleasure, he said, Wait, hey, you don't play soccer every Saturday? In the big stadium? Sparta. Where do you think sports came from? Your basketball courts, your soccer games, and your football games, and all the stuyot we waste our lives on. If the Greeks came here, they'd be laughing at us. Why? Because we think we won. This is why we're so ignorant at this point that the number one most favorite holiday, favorite holiday of secular Jews... Reform Jews, conservative Jews is Hanukkah Because it doesn't obligate you to do anything You eat, you drink You light a menorah It's fun Everybody, you ask God Listen, we need $50,000 for Hanukkah party Everybody donates $500,000 We only need fifty. Okay, so bigger party And $400,000 for the rabbi With the quarter keeper. Hanukkah party, everybody donates Helping Jews do chuba, No one wants to donate Maybe you're going to get $10 a day if, they, if, if his Mashiach comes, maybe it's getting $200 a day. Because they already know Mashiach is here. Why? Because it's, it doesn't obligate them. But what's the funniest thing about it? The real biggest enemy of Hanukkah, the people that we really won against, were the Reformed Jews. The ones that joined with the Greeks, that ratted on us, that got. Religious Jews, Orthodox Jews, Khalidim killed. The Mityevnim were Karai Jews and other types of Reformed Jews that joined efforts with the Goyim. They not only brought them to the synagogues, they made them the new rabbi. And after they made them the new rabbi, they went against the old tradition. And that's what we won the war against. So if anyone wants to really celebrate Hanukkah, do yourself a favor. Tell your secular friends. They should really learn about the truth of the holiday. There's nothing for them to celebrate if they're still secular. The war is against them. So if they don't want a war against them, join us. Do chuba. Start small. Keep Shabbat. Keep kosher. Keep a few things. Stop acting like God's not real. Because eventually we're all going to end up in a hospice. And you're going to need God. What are you going to say? I was too busy making money. I was too busy chasing women. I was too busy playing sports. What are you going to say? Rabban is telling us this. My brothers and sisters, you want to save your kids? You want to save yourself? Start by looking in the mirror and after that, make sure your surroundings look the same. You have a beard? Make sure your surroundings have a beard. You're modest? Make sure your surroundings are modest. You're righteous, you're trying to be righteous, make sure your friends are trying to be righteous. Why? Because if your kids continue to hang out with people that are losers, or they hang out with people that are completely atheists, even if they're family, even if they're your parents, even if they're your brothers, even if they're whoever, if your kids or if you continue to hang out with people that are ama'alit and are not interested in doing tshuva, you'll eventually become like them. If you can influence them, then show, why not? Bring them on, get them stronger, get them to do tshuva, if you see that there's interest. If you see that they're listening to what you're saying, they're respecting what you're doing, chazakubo, bring them on, bring them for Shabbat, bring them for the holidays, little by little, be nice to them, and show them the beauty of Judaism. But if they're the types of people that are anti-Torah, Every time you mention God, it's like, "Ugh, again!" Like one of those types of people, or they're the type of people that make comments against the Torah. They make fun of it. Get rid of them, like a disease. As fast as you want to get rid of a disease, get rid of those people. Can't help them. Doesn't matter that they're your friends or this or that. It's not much time. It's not much time. She's around the corner. It all starts with you. All starts with you. Any questions? Be'zad Hashem will celebrate Hanukkah in a few days. Hashem, maybe next week we'll have actually Shu with some more um, commentary on uh, on Hanukkah. But I thought this Mishnah is much uh, more relevant than anything else I could say about Hanukkah because it could also hit Hanukkah as well. It could also talk about Hanukkah, talk about the Mishnah itself to continue the series, but also talks about uh, the position that we all find ourselves in. Everybody's so excited about the new president coming on board. Everybody's excited about the stock market being at all-time highs. Everybody's excited about everything that's going on. But to me, the better things look, the more scared I get. Because before Hashem punished us each time throughout history not that uh, thinking our punishment is coming but unfortunately if you just look at history before Hashem gave us a serious, serious wake up call every single time, right before we were at the top right before we were at the top just look at all the stories we mentioned today Yosef at Sadiq at the top Slavery, 210 years. Spanish Inquisition, top. Germany, top. Greece, top. Roman, top. Every time. Not one time, not two times, not three. Every single time we're at the top. Right now, unfortunately, some Jews are so comfortable with where they are, if you tell them, You want the Mashiach to come? Yeah, as long as I continue my life. They're so happy with their life, with their business making what it's making, and their reputation growing, and their Facebook profile gaining more friends, and there are more TV appearances, and more fake friends. People just forgot what the purpose of life is. You know, so, you ask some people about Mashiach, they don't even want them to come. They're too happy here Ramban is telling us here The more we rely on this Other stuff Other influences Government, people and so on And disconnect ourselves from Hashem Hashem eventually has to give us a wake up call Hopefully Enough people watch these shiurim And wake up without needing Hashem to wake us up That's the point That's the goal The goal is to wake up before Hashem wakes us up So we don't need to wake up We already have our own alarm Watch your, we listened, we learned That's it, we woke up But make sure You're not putting yourself in a difficult spot Where you're in such a difficult spot You can't get out of it Where all of your friends are Reform, conservative And different types of people that are against the Torah That you don't know what to do yourself you have to separate. No, it's not an easy choice, but it's a reality. Unless you can bring them with you, yes. <clears throat> It's not enough time. It's not enough time. not enough time to be friendly with everyone. And that's it. I think that uh, this covers this Mishnah. Uh, unless you guys have any questions. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen. And also, last thing, anybody who watches this year is also on tour. Anytime. Our website, Bezodhashem.org And uh, a few other places, Hashem. Bezodhashem, I'll see you guys in uh, a couple of weeks